Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 620. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my favorite co-host, Corey Romero. Today is Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. Corey, welcome back from the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, what a show. That was a fantastic event. It, it was, it is, it is. Uh, in the Bay here, it is super hot. We got 106 degrees in the Bay Area. We always have this beautiful weather, but uh, today they're paying us back with giving us a little bit of that desert fare. On the show today, we're going to be talking to Bob Plankers, and we're going to just do a VMware Explorer review of what happened at uh, VMware Explorer. A lot of cool announcements. Bob Plankers, welcome to the show as always. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on here. It's uh, good to be back. And yeah, to Corey's point, it was a great show. It was good to see people. You know, I, it really hit me hard. Um, I think it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. Well, Tuesday that uh, all the stuff, all the people that I've missed over the last couple of years that I haven't seen and things that, that were popping up. So. Yeah, I got to say there was uh, it was really fun. I was not COVID frightened. I think that the COVID thing was not as bad. I know a couple people did get sick over the but but basically the event happened. A lot of people must have it. I wore my mask when I was you know near people, but didn't wear it when I was eating and away. And I have not had COVID yet. And I'm seven days out from where I did meet some people that had COVID and I did not get it. So the mask seemed to work. So knock on wood here we go so uh, that was exciting to me bob because it showed that people are willing to come back together and engage and man the learning and cross environment talking to people you just don't get that in zoom you just you just yeah the hallway track as as it's always described you know at, at these conferences the hallway track is always the most interesting one the organic and that's what we kind of lose that's, that's what, what we lose with with uh, uh the, the zoom sorts of things with uh you know there's not these organic things you you can't riff off of stuff you can't go find a whiteboard you can't can't right. read people's body language the same and you know and just it's a whole different ball game when it's in person and so that's what's yeah. going to make it interesting moving forward at least the hybrid work sort of thing you know it'll be interesting to see how society negotiates this tension between back to work and uh, uh and work from home yeah, I think that we're definitely going to have a hybrid environment. Uh, I'm all in on that, managing that. And what I'm going to go back to my leadership is like, look, we don't have to go crazy on office space. What we do have to do is uh, reinvent that office budget into some travel budget. Right. Yeah. Because Get together every once in a while. That's right. On a periodic yeah. basis. We have to room really with each other, you know, to yeah. discipline to put the budgets in place and know that we're saving money because VMware is not paying my AC bill right now, right there. You know, <laughs> I'm paying it. I'm paying for my power to my monitors. I'm paying for a lot of stuff that I used to not pay for. But at the same time, you're saving money. Let's spend some money on the travel because that was good. And I got to say, I came back and uh, today I dropped my passport, you know, renewal in the mail, right? Like that's been out there because I was, do I go to Europe? Do I not go to Europe? And by the way, Europe is happening November 7th through the 10th. We are scheduling all the same stuff we did in the US. We're going to be doing it Europe. So if you're listening to this in Europe, uh, we're excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I think it'll even be better because we ran through all the programs. We kind of refined what, you know, <laughs> what we do for the labs. Uh, my presentations for the Nook labs got better and better every day. And I'm going to make some modifications for Tanzu. So I think if you're if you're planning on doing Europe, it should actually be slightly better because you learn the mistakes that you do. 
all your yeah, presentations stuff. have bugs in them too you know yeah that's so. right that's right so so that's exciting so i do a shout out for november 7th through the 10th so Corey, uh what did you think of uh work in the community booth i i saw that it was pretty busy the whole time what's your take uh, i thought it was great i was i think i was there most of the time at the community booth and we're constantly busy i know both theaters were packed um we had like you know one time where it was standing room only where it if you were at the show you could see that it came all the way over to the center of the of the uh, of the welcome desk right and so wow. um, it was pretty exciting yeah even at eight o'clock in the morning um it was that big like you know a lot of people there uh, we had a lot of the experts come through um it was really great to see just like you know bob and eric you were talking about really great to see people in person um it's been a long time i've said this over and over that's always my favorite part of my job is to actually sit and have conversations with the people um in person right because i do this on mail all the time and we're always talking but um you know in person's completely different so you know i'm all in for hybrid environment as well you know i i, I yeah. love the live environments I do have to apologize to everyone that was got standing room only. There was a bug that we will fix for, for Europe, which is normally we set the number of seats, which in this case, the theater was like 30 or whatever it, the normal brown bag theater is in the code theater and these, these external places. And then we set overflow so that if you register, you know, you know that you're in the overflow line and you'll be standing, right? And that was what we looked at. So when I saw the registration numbers and for like Kyle Ruddy's, I think at 100, it hit 150 people that were, I assumed overflow, but somehow in the schedule tool, they didn't mark them as overflow. So therefore you came in and booked your seat thought you had a seat you didn't know you were in overflow so then you show up and you're forced to stand and yeah. so i apologize for that that's a bug and we'll get that fixed for europe so that it's clearly designated if you're above the 30 seats and then we have an idea of who's canning in that's in the seats versus who's just an overflow person so that happened with the meet the experts sessions as well at one point i had like they usually have 20 people that they permit to come in or whatever and at one point uh, some of us had looked and we had 40 50 60 people registered and then they sent email to ev everyone above 20 saying hey sorry you can't come in or whatever and i almost wish that it yeah the overflow thing's got to get figured out yeah know? that was uh, that was a bug that we didn't realize was happening because in the past yeah. we did overflow and they talked to me about it and they said what should we cap this at or what do I, and i said well oh, yeah you know we have standing room we could do standing room up to you know 200 people right i mean it's not so there was a little bit of that there was some confusion on the way they did overflow this time so we'll have to fix that yeah so, and yeah, honestly they know about it from our end too so. we've never had this problem before like never had to worry about it i mean normally if we got we had 30 seats sometimes we get like 45 people right so 10 or 15 people would stand around this is the first time but i also remember last year or in 2019 we had a full theater that was designated to code sessions right like a full session room like it was sure. big so i think what happened is we forgot about that so mm -hmm. some of these kyle ruddy william lamb you know big draws do get several hundred and we have to make sure we have a session room designated for those guys as well because yeah. we just did the theater honestly i was surprised i didn't think we were going to get very many people come to vm world there be well, so. i think what you did i think you just hit on the fact that it's a different conference too it's not vm world anymore i right. you just called it vm world i've been calling it vm world i can't not call it vm world but it's not vm world it's vmware explorer and even the the signs at vmware explorer see i'm even having trouble with it now the yeah uh said hey it is now uh, vmworld is now vmware explorer yeah kinda you know but it's it's really a different conference it's it's got a different tone and things like that and yeah and they did they did run it differently right yeah. they scheduled it differently they booked different yeah. keynotes differently they yeah. treated us differently different right? admission criteria yeah you know right. like yeah it was 
it was not the same. And hopefully people liked it, you know, and I keep telling people that if you didn't like it, they're probably, uh, they're probably going to, or have already given you a feedback mechanism. Tell them right. what you think, you know, your feedback is important to us right. and uh, people read that stuff. People, well, yeah. And people read that stuff. So be, don't be angry about it or whatever, but constructive criticism, constructive feedback is always welcome. And Corey, I know you gave away a bunch of nooks. Uh, so thanks for doing that. And uh, thanks to NetApp and those guys for, you know, giving us 10K to help buy them. I mean, I know we spent like 50K on them, but uh, 10K from Net NetApp always helps, right? Like it's that extra money that you're always short, right? Like yep. the last mile that always gets you, right? Like it is too. You almost have enough money, but then you overspend. And so to have NetApp come in and give us 10K at the end was like, giant relief right we were yeah like, yeah it was it was re really really cool because we were overspent definitely overspent mm -hmm. overspent for europe but they they came in and they're going to offer us some more money for europe so it's just that extra bit that you're always down on the budget so i gotta gotta yeah. thank them for that my labs went well um thanks to bill roth for helping set up we had 36 stations and we weren't allowed to go into the room till two at until tuesday morning at 8 a.m and when that's was the lab uh, the lab was Tuesday at 11. Oh, ouch. We, oh, we had 36 stations with sensors and smart hubs and, and, and nooks and displays, keyboards and mice that all had to be set up. And that's, that's pushing the edge. We had, we had, uh, Noel Greer, Bill Roth, myself, Matt Longeth, uh, and, uh, I think that's it, Matt, Bill, Noel, and me, that's four people. And that's not bad. Cause that's like 10. 10 machines per to set up, boot up, get running, hook the yeah. sensors up, make sure somebody can focus on anything. That's yeah. a problem, right. you know, but the sheer volume of that 36 keyboards, 36 mice, 30, it was actually challenging. Uh, we have five full big, large suitcases to get up in the room. We had to drop them off on the street. And then, uh, and then on the way out, the union local guy caught us, right. And came up and, uh, not at the end on, on Thursday afternoon going like, you guys did set up here. And we gave him a bundle of code socks and said, here, this is great. <laughs> I'll give them to your union members. And Bill yeah. Roth, uh, a union kind of guy, he's a Democrat, you know, does political. So he started naming unions that he'd work with. And so we <laughs> Bill got great. Bill is a, uh, Bill's on the yeah. same team as I am now. And yeah, Bill is terrific. We were yeah. talking about that as as well. Yeah, we all need to join the uh, IA local, the stagehands union or something yeah, like that, so that we can load our own stuff. So, right, yeah. right. And we sneak in and out of that a little bit, and we got yeah. that. But it was fun. We had a good time doing all that. We had we were well represented. The sessions were busy, even on Thursday, all day Thursday. We did. We had people in the rooms. I think the first two days they were booked, and we had overflow. And then the last uh, the last day, maybe we had a couple seats, maybe five seats empty. Each session but yeah we ran 11 sessions 450 people through playing around with nooks and uh, writing code and making the sensors do their thing so that was fun good time so so bob i didn't pay attention to what the announcements were right like <laughs> I, I i heard something about vsphere 8 i mean they're like yeah it turns I, out I there's gonna be another vsphere yeah you know yeah, vsphere's yeah. not dead yet you know the yeah. uh, uh in fact it's alive and well uh yeah vsphere 8 the uh um uh, my colleague Dave Morera was up on stage. It was really nice to see vSphere get some play in the the big keynotes and things like that. The uh, uh, we've uh, in the past we've highlighted like v VMware Cloud Foundation. Cloud Foundation is terrific, but uh, you know uh, vSphere is the core of everything. And so when we add features to the core, you know they, it radiates up into all of the other stuff. And so. Yeah, vSphere 8 uh, has been announced. There's new stuff out. Core.vmware.com, the uh, vSphere Tech Zone uh, instance has got some what's new stuff. vSAN 8 as well. Uh, that's, I don't want to call it a complete rewrite because that implies other things, but there's all sorts of, there's new architectures and all of that stuff. It's, you know, vSAN, it's kind of the next generation of vSAN. Uh, uh, 
you know, we probably shouldn't call it just vSAN 8, but yeah, we're going to call it vSAN 8, the express storage architecture and things like that. All sorts I, of. I did get several people coming up wanting to know about vSAN and we're excited about vSAN. I was actually yeah. really surprised because from a marketing perspective, the vSAN marketers kind of drifted away over the last couple of years, right? And I haven't really heard that much about it, but the customers seem to be that and in cloud, they were also talking about it in cloud. So yeah, yeah. well, you know, all of our cloud offerings are based on it. You know, vSAN is is how VMware Cloud on AWS is powered. That's the underlying storage. Well, the underlying storage is the, like in, in AWS is the, the elastic block storage and, and things like that. But vSAN's at the layer on top of it. vSAN is what translates that stuff into what looks like a normal vSphere instance. And so, uh, yeah, you know, uh, VMware Cloud will be based on vSphere 8 as well. It's a little different in that. But, uh, you know, next month or two, uh, one of the things that, you know, so we announce, we're doing that thing where we announce, and VMware's always done this, you know, and I remember when I was a customer, I always complained about it, like, oh, where's the code, you know, but... Uh, um, yeah, we announced, but we have to deliver in the quarter. Right? Inside the quarter. And so people right. need to remember that our fiscal year is starts in February, February 1st. So our quarter ends October 31st, Halloween. And right. so it will show up before that, you know, and we can't say much more. We're doing a lot more testing. You know, we remember the vSphere 7 Update 3 whole, that whole thing. We're doing a bunch of testing. We're making sure that this thing is solid. Uh, and we're changing a bunch of stuff in it too. You know, a major version. Uh, VMware is great because we have this gigantic community. We have this gigantic ecosystem. VMware, it hurts sometimes. This big ecosystem has got inertia to it. And so we can't change things sometimes inside. You know how we do yep. GA and then we do an update one and update two and update three. Those are kind of like Windows, the old school Windows NT service packs where they add features and functionality and things. Uh, we do that as well, you know, but after update three, it's that's pretty much it for that major version. And so we have to, this boundary here, this new major version is a good opportunity to do do something different if we need to. Um, and if it's going to be, I don't want to say controversial, but uh, um, if it's going to require the ecosystem to make changes or adapt yeah. to something. Manage risk. Yeah, yeah manage risk. Uh, so one good example is we're turning on a ransomware uh, basically ransomware mitigation thing. It was in seven, but we're turning it on for good in eight. And uh, uh, something that prevents binaries from executing on ESXi unless they've been installed by a signed package, you know, and that should cut down on a lot of the ransomware stuff. Very cool. Or at least make it harder, you know, like we want to make, we quit making attackers lives easy. We want to make it hard, you know, for the attackers. And, but that impacts the ecosystem. Uh, it's going to require signed code everywhere. And what we've also done is made it so that if you shut the feature off, and you can shut it off, but there's a warning banner on ESXi and you can't dismiss it. It's like a little clue that something's wrong. And uh, uh, so if an attacker does get in somehow, you know, and shuts that off, there's going to be breadcrumbs. An attacker will, or a, a sysadmin will it. look at it and see yeah. something's wrong here, you know, that sort of thing. But it's going to take a little bit for the ecosystem to get that figured out, you know, especially if customers are pushing back, hey, why, why do you want me to shut off a security control, that sort of thing. And so, you know, but that's the sort of stuff that we have to do at eight, you know. In the yeah, I know that when we went to seven, they turned on uh login protection on the on the root console so that if mm -hmm. you get more than five logins it locks everybody out and i've yep. had to go down to my data center like four times until i figured out that wait okay what's actually happening here and that was just a switch from six to seven that yep. all of a sudden it was mandatory that it do this and i eventually figured it out you know and then set myself yep. up properly but it's just those kind of things that like when you upgrade and then it's it's easy to upgrade nowadays and so you tend to upgrade and then you get caught by these things so yeah yeah you know and upgrades are so much easier than they were back in the you know i remember the virtual infrastructure three five vsphere four four one yeah, it was basically a reinstall pretty much it was right? a reinstall and it didn't it wasn't a seamless you know Right. I remember calling support and we were like sorting through alarms. Like I had errant alarms and that all of that stuff is so much better now. You know, it's so much easier to do these upgrades. And uh, uh, yeah. And so that's a big thing too. You know, these upgrades are so much easier to do. And yeah, no, it would be terrific. I so feel far. like the eight launch 
was a surprise to a lot of people, right? Like well, a- it shouldn't have been. I mean, it's uh, you think about it. The, so update three got re-released in March or so. And we've been trying, if you look historically every six months or so, we've had an update release. Uh-huh. So six, five, six, seven, seven, you know, every six months there's been an update release or so. So we're about at the six month mark here and we've got this, our annual conference, you know, it really shouldn't have been a surprise that we'd want to talk about something big at our annual conference. I feel like it always leaks out ahead of time. Like there was a, there was not a lot of news. Right yeah, there were some knowledge base articles that had vSphere eight uh, listed as their uh, target uh, versions and things like that. And, All right. and some of the news around SD cards and that you know we're still trying to deprecate SD cards because they're just an unreliable form of media. You know, we, we get that, you know, they're used in labs and, and a lot of deployments and all kinds of stuff everywhere, but uh, you know, they're, they're not as reliable as the, you know, SSDs and stuff like that. And I so, have a feeling it's just because Broadcom was in such the news and in the marketing world, we were spending time tracking Broadcom related issues and social that maybe in the marketing side of the house, we were like, wait, there's a vSphere coming out. Why aren't we? When we did vSphere 6, I think we did 30 days of happiness where we ran a campaign for 30 days oh, talking yeah. about all the things that were happening. And I, I felt like this has been one of these things where we're catching up on the marketing side. So that could yeah. be part of it. Well, vSphere 7, we did uh, uh, like a blog post a day for three yeah, or four was weeks. It seven? Or yeah, that we did. Maybe it was seven. We, yeah, seven, you know, and I was a big I part of that or whatever. I don't know what I'm not actually. days we of did. happiness where we did 28 days of constant roll. Yeah, it's terrific. I'm not actually privy to the uh, um, the plans for the vSphere technical marketing team right now, if they're going right. to do that or not. But the uh, uh, you know those sorts of things are really cool. You know, and yeah. I know they've got a lot of stuff planned for vSphere. But anyway, I think it caught some people by surprise because we just hadn't made Good. any noise about Keep it. Keep people on their toes. Right. Yeah. Right. And hey, it was hey, excited, exciting. Yeah, hey, really quick, I've got to jump off. I've got a blog migration call, but I did want to say something. I, I know it's not explore related, but we do have a um, an influencer training with Duncan Epping coming up, the V experts. That's that's been sent out, um, and we will get some uh, yeah, some license keys for vSphere eight for V experts as well. Um, so we're working with that. Um, so with that, I do have to run. I've got to you know go handle the the blog migration call. So um, but, before uh, you leave, Corey. Yeah. We just want to do a, I just don't want to shout out to everybody. I think for the V expert program, this was a lesson for everybody to read your mail. The V expert <laughs> mail is like, yes, it was. Got like what, 50 or 60 people showing up by where's my nook? Why can't I get one? And we're like, you didn't read Me your too. mail. Me too. You yes. sent yeah. your mail three different times saying you have to go register for your nook. Yeah. Well, a lot of people also registered for, so there was two registrations or two RSVPs. One was for the Nook and the second one was for the V expert meetup at the, uh, the W hotel. So a lot of people showed up and said, Oh yeah, I, I RSVP two days ago. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that was for the meetup, not, not the Nook. So yeah, yeah that is a good no, lesson. It's easy to say through. that we all have our day jobs, including Me. Bob Blankers, <laughs> you know, we're all busy and I kind of feel bad for this one, but it was one of these things that either we 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 signed you up and bought you one or we didn't. So yeah. there you go. So hey with that. Thanks, guys. Right. Thanks, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Bye. Yeah. So Bob, how is what's what's what happened with security, carbon black, all that? Like in the in the space of what you're doing. They're still chugging away. There's new stuff with NSX and all that stuff. Security at all levels, you know, like I remember, well, when I, even when I joined VMware almost four years ago now, and that seems that seems insane that it's been almost four years, but the uh, um, you know security wasn't this thing that people paid that much attention to. There were just a few vo- a few of our, our voices out in the wilderness, and now it seems like everyone wants to play in the security space, and that's great. The uh, uh, I'm not jealous at all. There's so much to be done there there's so much to do uh nsx is coming along a lot of the multi-cloud stuff uh the idea that um you know vmware we trying to be kind of the abstraction layer across all the public clouds and private clouds and all that you know if you just if it runs vmware software if it runs vSphere in some form you know you can apply the same policies to it you can migrate to it you can migrate away from it you can pick and choose and just that flexibility vmware's always been about choice i i had i heard a good customer story that uh, I'll, I'll get your opinion on here uh it was uh starbucks so i was in one of the c tab meetings customer technical 
uh, advisory board. board. And uh, the guy from Starbucks was there, a guy, he's a cool guy, I forget his name, wears a big leather hat. He looks a classic admin kind I know of guy. That guy yeah. He's an architect, right? And mm -hmm. uh, uh, he was telling me they're excited about Aria. Aria? Aria? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not just a rebranding of all the V Realize stuff, it's kind of a restructuring of the whole portfolio. And that's pretty cool, actually. And he talked to me about his use case, right? And his use case is the best multi-cloud use case I've heard yet so far, which what they're doing is they have at Starbucks multi-cloud. They've got, and it wasn't structured intentionally. It was just like what people say, you know, the businesses grew up, needed a solution, picked a cloud vendor, built the solution, and now they're running payloads out on that cloud. And they got a different cloud vendor and they're running payloads out on that cloud. And they got, and now as a head of IT, they're like trying to manage this, right? They're trying to figure out how to get cost under control, yeah. how to how to manage workflow, release workflow going into the end. Like how do they, so they know they're not going to go back to single cloud. That's impossible. But what they want is a management framework to distribute the Kubernetes workloads, right? In some kind of efficient controlled manner, right? Like a workflow, just like I, I manage workflow for social posts and community posts, right? And blog posts, there's a workflow for it. So people just in YouTube videos, we just don't let people upload YouTube videos randomly. Oh, you don't? Oh. No, because it's like on the corporate channel, Channels. The minute you do that, you get guys with sock puppets making funny videos because they think it's cool, right? Don't ever look at my videos then. Branding. As long as you're not on a corporate channel, it's fine. But like, yeah. you know, people would go off and create a VMware corporate channel, they call it. We do have standards. I joke, yeah, but yeah, yeah, there are standards to be held. So, so what they're dealing with is that workflow management of Kubernetes workloads onto the cloud and financial management using... Uh, what is it? Something health, cloud health, right? Cloud uh, health. And yeah, yeah you know, a lot of that. Like, with that whole, they want to create a broker system that all Kubernetes workloads go through that. It goes approved. They build APIs to the costing uh, at the moment or this week's costing, and they divert workloads to the clouds based on cost. Right? Yeah. So, that, so that they're optimizing dollar spend on these workloads to the multiple clouds if there isn't a reason that that app can't be run on any of the clouds. So it's interesting. And they're pretty serious about it, right? Because it's, I think their footprint is like 30, $40 million a month on costing in cloud services, right? You know, geez, you multiply that by 12, you're like at almost, you know, whatever, right? Like yeah. four or $500 million in costs, cloud costs that they're trying to get a handle on. Right. Yeah. I just, you know, half a billion dollars in IT budget, cloud budget is just, it's a lot, a lot bigger than a lot of our customers, but you know, that's a standard spend for a lot of organizations, a lot of big organizations and that. And so figuring out uh, how to budget for that, how to uh, curb overruns, how to right. Uh, right size things, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, I also heard a lot of, uh, ghost vms and the the, the ghost mm -hmm. the ghosting storage where i don't know if i'm using the right term there but it's basically storage that's been disconnected and sitting you know as a as a zombie we used to call yeah. this in unix were at times zombies right like where, yeah and it, you but know? yet they're being charged for it right and yeah, like, stuff that's allocated right. you know especially implementing some sort of chargeback thing uh in my previous life we had a full chargeback system and that that was great. I mean, it was kind of a pain in some ways, but it was great because it eliminated everything had to have an owner and that was paying right. for it, you know, so it kind of gets rid of that ghost, the zombie sorts of things. But and you know, what I thought was the story where, okay, they had good chargeback, but the managers of inside that they were charging back were okay with a certain dollar spend, right? Even though they had zombies or they had, you know, unprovisioned, they were, the managers were okay. They were getting charged back. So then they were building using, you know, area or V realize, you know, in cloud health, all this bundle management bundle to, to get those numbers and then go to the BU aheads going, yeah, your directors or your senior VP, your VPs might be okay with this budget spend. Yeah, but but if I go to the BU yeah. head and say, would you like to recoup $40 million next year? Yeah, yeah the BUs are like, oh, BU no. Heads, nah. yeah, no, let's just yeah. throw that away. Yeah. So there was, it's interesting to see organizational dynamics on these dollar spends as well. So these kind of stories from a management perspective and the ARIA and all that was, were interesting to hear from customers.
Well, who was it? Peter Drucker or whatever that says he uh, said that you uh, can only manage what you, uh, you can't manage what you aren't measuring or something like that. I'm slaughtering that, but oh, it was sure. something along right. those, those lines. Visibility into what's going on is absolutely crucial. And, and so it's nice to see the evolutions of visibility tools like that and workflow tools. Yeah. And I, I tell people also when everything is always up and to the right, Nobody really cares about this thing, right? If you're meeting your growth targets and, uh, you know, we got money to spend. Yeah, there's a certain amount of whatever going on, you know, like, eh, whatever, we're doing all right. We're you doing know? all right. And, uh, you know? and we got projects to capture growth, right? And yeah. as long as those capturing the growth is good. But when you get into a slowdown or mind you, a recession or worries about those things, you right, know, inflationary like where you're trying to manage the dollar spends because everything's getting expensive, which is where we are now. This stuff becomes like something that you you're not focusing on capturing growth anymore. You're fo focusing on managing costs in order to make it through the slow period. Right. Yep. So there's also yep. that. So this gets back to what we were talking about in the beginning, which is it's great to be in an event because I didn't even know about this guy, the Starbucks guy. We never even met him. Right? Oh yeah. But he was you know? there and I thought his hat was interesting. So I, I walked over and struck up a conversation and said, <laughs> Hey, a cool hat. And I heard you from Starbucks and like this is pretty exciting. What do you, what's your role? What do you do? And he got into sharing the whole, the whole story. So those kind of things are times where you just can't replicate that. No, you can't replicate it. You know, people, uh, folks like him, they're, They've got day, their own day jobs, you know, that don't really have, there's, they don't have an OKR for, you know, reaching out to their vendors and sharing information and things like that necessarily. So, you know, uh, an opportunity for us to learn a little bit about, about it in organically again, you know, where we're you're standing next to the person or whatever. I was stopped in, in the halls of hotels and up by the community booth a few times and that just by random people that recognized me from, from videos or yeah. one guy uh, heard me talking, actually couldn't see my face, heard me talking, recognized my voice and then came around to find me. And, uh, uh, it, and it was great. Just random conversations, random questions. Hey, well, I've got you here. What about X? You know, like, and that's just, uh, that's unreplicatable with zoom or on webinars or any of this remote stuff. And so, yeah, like I'm with you, it was, it's good to, to be back for the people that are comfortable with that. You know, I think there's a lot to, to, uh, a lot to offer in the in-person space nowadays. A couple interesting takeaways, I because I'm on the VMUG board now. And so we're having discussions about next year. What are our challenges? What are we doing? A couple interesting things that came out of that. One is we need to remember to focus on onboarding new administrators. Oh, my goodness. Giving yes. them content for new because our administration crowd is getting older and they're moving up the staff. <laughs> Yeah. Not such an old, but by career, they're they're moving yeah, up. Yeah, we're moving on, you know. Like, and, and what are we doing to you know teach people vSphere again or teach? Well, that's why I loved Kelsey Hightower's uh, uh, little talk in the middle of the keynote or whatever, sort of reminding us where we've come from and why we have these technologies that we do. You know, that's not something that we talk about very often. And I thought it was really refreshing. You know, the, the people coming out of you know, the people coming out of community college that have a, a right. degree in IT and, you know, a lot of practical but lab oriented skills in that often don't understand why we invented this stuff. You know, they know it exists. They know how to work it, but they don't know the why of why it's there in the first place, you know. Yep. So, so I think that was cool. So we're going to try to, you know, get the community involved with uh, next year's content generation to try to get a little bit more community content in VMUG and get some of the core vSphere, you know, intro 101 content in front of, you know, the VMUG. So I think that was kind of interesting to hear that. And then the second area was the fact that people are now moving into cloud admin roles, right? Multi-cloud or others and how valuable that is, right? Like that, that the cloud administrators, I don't know if I should be saying too much of this, but the cloud administrators, they're having a hard time holding on to them. This is in like Minnesota, which is not the most expensive region in the world. Well, and they're making $180,000 a year because they've stepped up into a cloud admin role, right? And they're getting stolen away yeah. and so it's like how do we 
keep the multi-cloud admin who also is well-trained in vSphere. And apparently if you're at NSX right now, you might as well just write your blank check and tell them to sign, put zeros on the check because... I don't know how many years we've been talking about micro-segmentation and all of that stuff, but I was mentioning before that security, everyone wants to play in this space and it's a really busy space. Micro-segmentation, all of these controls, it's really great to see them popular now but yeah you know the job market is crazy you know yeah and and then and then we also had a discussion about um the innovative topics like maybe we create an innovate innovator thread through vmug content which is just nothing to do with vmware but just interesting topics that are you know that make us not feel like your daddy's admin, you know, club, right? Yeah. Like, We're just all our daddies, right? Right. you know, coding, scripting, right. all of that stuff. Uh, some of the work you, you know, your demos were sensors right. and, and that VMware was showing off and in the VMware booth, I spent a little time in the VMware booth. It's pretty much obligatory for a guy with marketing in his title. Uh, and, you know, so I wandered around and we've got um, IOT sorts of things, going on we've got the uh, uh control control systems stuff a lot of edge things would we'll play into the innovator space you know there's a lot of really interesting non-vsphere things that are going on as part of the larger ecosystem i think that would be terrific if uh vmug focuses on these things that you were you're talking about now I did. I did uh, hear that Michael Dell was walking uh, Hawk Tan around and uh, giving him a demo. And actually, what I heard, and I meant to do this at the beginning of the podcast, I was actually rather enlightened by the narratives we're getting back from Broadcom. Right, that Broadcom seemed to really like the show, really get VMUG, offered to sponsor some VMUG activities going into next year. Like, depending on you know when they're allowed to engage with us closer, they were actually. I heard several really great stories of what Broadcom thought and what they were exposed to the community, the ecosystem, the conference, the energy level. I think it was uh, really good for them to see and have Michael Dell walk them around and expose them to what it looks like when you have a really vibrant ecosystem. With well, and that was even just a fraction of, you know, like imagine walking him around at the 2019 VMUG or whatever he would have right. just been, or not VMUG, VMworld. He's like it was just mind blown, you know. And right, but it it had that feel anyway. It, what, did. it, it, did. it, it there was enough there that it felt crowded. It didn't feel empty at all. It actually felt right. like the right, right number of people. It was nice, right. actually. I, I thought right. it was cool. Yeah, it was good. It, there was never a moment where I was thinking crickets. Nope, it was always no. it was always no. busy. And you could find a seat. Busy. I I actually really liked it. You could find a seat where you wanted to, and you weren't uh, jostling with people for you know space and keynotes yeah. and all of this stuff. But it 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 was perfect. And my guess is that Europe will even be busier. So yeah, I hope so. Some of those guys out there as well. But the good news was, yeah, they came back. Samit, who is head of customer marketing, like he's our co-president or whatever his title is these days. He runs all of sales and marketing and our CMO reports to him. He was like, look, uh, Broadcom is, he was at the VMUG leadership meet lunch. Him, Raghu and Kit were on stage. It was, cool. it was a small venue, only like 50 of us in a room eating lunch together. And he sat and Samit sat next to me and uh, they got up and they said, they, they were the ones, yeah, Broadcom wants to invest in this. They want to invest and they're do buying it for a reason, right, Eric? Right. You know, they're right. buying, you know, and, right. you know, it's, and I think they're realizing that, you know, it's, it's different than their other acquisitions. Right. And that's good. And I'm hoping that the other, the people that work for CA and Symantec and the other Broadcom assets or whatever are, are getting excited to work with us as well. Cause I think we're, you know, there's an opportunity. We've, there's fear and uncertainty for a lot of people, but you know, it's also an opportunity. And, uh, and I think I choose to be optimistic. My it. take was, you know, that there was more opportunity than there was reason to be fearful, right? Like, yeah. I'm sure there will be some products that they go, look, this isn't making the numbers. And it's, you know, yeah. if I, if we have, I think blockchain, right? I'm like, okay, how much are we selling in blockchain? How many engineers do we have on it? And maybe we keep that. Maybe we don't. I'm sure there are projects like that, that they'll look at, right? Because they, I think they do do that. But okay. I got the impression they felt at the end of it, like they had just bought a Google. 
right? Like an A-lister, <laughs> not like a not like a D-lister. They came for vSphere right. and stayed right. for all the right. rest of it, all you know? Right. Like, and, right. you know, and that's, yeah, I like it. I really if do. you look at the core companies that were on the board, you know, they had a, the, the companies when you walked into the expo and they had a big graphic of all the companies who were represented. It was A-listers, right? This is yeah. an A-list. This is not a B-list, C-list. This was an A-list. It was crowded. There were people. So I, I got the impression they're like, wait, we have an A brand. We don't, we, this is an A brand. Yeah. And then, then through, throw that into Samit saying, yeah, they want to invest money over in the community. They think it's good. Um, they loved it. And so, yeah. and I think even Laura Heisman, who is our CMO, we've had her on the show uh, maybe a couple of months ago. She was impressed by everything. I think she was blown away at the VMUG party. So I think this was a good thing for all of us to get shot in the arm for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, I choose to be optimistic. I'm looking forward to uh, Broadcom and we're going back the other direction, working with some of the hardware, you know, we've always, VMware is always sort of hardware, somebody else's problem, right? right. You know, right. like, you know, not our problem. We wash our hands of that stuff, you know, like, and clearly that, that can't always be the case, but you know, there's some really interesting stuff. That, that was the other do. thing that came out was edge. I think we made some edge announcements as well. Right we now. did make a bunch of edge announcements, uh, you know, and some of the stuff in the keynote was actually called out as edge announcements, but it's actually part of core vSphere. And we did this with uh, vSphere seven as well. Uh, the edge folks, made some improvements to running real-time workloads and scheduling and and that that are actually just part of the core product you know and so everybody gets gets that and so you know it's not just a, a large telco that sees an improvement there it's somebody running you know skype for business in their data center or link or whatever the heck it's called nowadays and you know a voip operation out of their own data center sees these same improvements that sort of thing and so but there's a lot of focus on edge you know the computing happens everywhere right and we have something we have something to bring to all of those spaces I heard a thing, which I can't confirm or deny, but I need to go look it up, is that Broadcom actually is also in the business of leasing or renting uh, tel uh, cell towers. Oh, right? interesting. They, they actually uh, rent them or build them and rent them to Orange and other places in Europe where they are actually, so they build the whole footprint there, the payload, the software, everything, the gear, and then they then hand it off to the, the cell operators who then lease them from them. Interesting. And, so they're, and that's how, partly how they deliver their technology is that they, they put it in the, in the cell towers. So their edge products are that are delivered that way. That would not surprise me uh, to know that that's true. And two, you know, I hate the word synergy, but that's what I think of when you, when you just, when you said that, you know, and the, right. uh, the idea that uh, one plus one could be three sort of thing, right. you know, we can bring value there. So well, then, I, don't know. I think it's an interesting time. Last thing that I'll throw in that I heard from the conference was because I was listening to Raghu um, in the, uh, in the VMUG leadership meeting, Ragu came up and he said, I hired this guy. And he, he points, which he did. He had hired me back 15 years ago when we were still a small company. But um, I thought he articulated vision of where administrators need to go. Because somebody asked him, like, what would you focus on if you were an administrator, or you were IT person, what would you focus on? He kind of laid that you know, don't be sleepy. The next generation is cloud architect, right? You know, and we'll play a role in this. VMware <laughs> products will play a role in the next generation of compute. It won't be necessarily in your data center. It'll be all over. And you as administrator get can't get comfortable just managing vSphere, vSAN, and NSX. You have to step up and learn some of the next gen. Don't be afraid to do that. So it's cloud, interesting to hear him yeah, say Yeah, cloud that. operating models uh, can be can be implemented you know cloud is really just the operating model you know the way of thinking right. about things it can be in your own data center it can be in an edge situation it can be in a public cloud it can be in one of our you know one of the infinite numbers of cloud partners we have the 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 not the hyperscalers but the next layer down of of people that can really customize things to businesses it's all over the place and it's just a way of thinking and you know those admins he's right those admins really just need to adopt that way of thinking about it and know what the tools are when vmware will provide the tools to get the job done they just need to, to map those architects need to map the cloud uh, 
cloud models that they've got, the cloud uh, operating models to the way their business wants to run. So I could keep going on and on on things that I learned. I got another one. I said I just finished this one, but <laughs> there was another really interesting one. I was talking to a customer and they were like, yeah. The reason we're accelerating to the cloud is because of supply chain shortages. We The lead time for server purchases now is six months. Yeah. So if a BU comes to me saying, hey, I got a new workload. I need to run it. Yeah, I need to get this deployed in the next quarter or two. Mm -hmm. They're like, we can't buy servers. You, we, yeah. we need to put you over on cloud. Well, and the hyperscalers are getting a lot of the getting, Yeah, right they're now. getting the server supply that is available. The, the, the cloud vendors are getting them and we have a six month lead time. So any new workload that comes along, we just go, we're gonna put you over here. Now they want it to tie into their current infrastructure, which is why VMC or others is good because they don't have time to re-architect everything. Oh, no, just extend right. it with right. VMware Cloud on AWS or whatever, right. you know, right. you've got the gateways there, you can stretch your networks, move stuff back and forth. Right. So you deploy something new in the cloud where it's elastic. Elastic isn't just growth. I mean, it's shrinking right. as well. You know, and so you decide to move it back to on-premises, no problem. You do that, uh, you know. So the hardware supply chain was an aha moment, oh, like, because you know, this is fun about talking to customers. And then the last one, I say promise last. Your last, 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 last one, last one yeah. was on Kubernetes and the value prop of why they're looking, why it's economically efficient to move our apps to kubernetes is that he says when you deploy a non-kubernetes app that hasn't been refactored we have to calculate the amount of server capacity we need for max load and then to kind of provision to some of that and some of it can bounce from one vm to another that has more capacity but he said when you move to micro architecture right you can basically provision that in the cloud and just buy the the, the node capacity for like zero to whatever it scales up to and i get my bill on the off months where we're not using it we don't get any bill, right? And right, yep. exactly. The expansion, yep. the other way, you know, way more economically efficient when you're purchasing hardware, right? Yep. So that was kind of in tune with the one you can't get the hardware, and two, if I refactor it into a Kubernetes app, it'll mm -hmm. scale dynamically, and that's economically more efficient. Yep. So that was her, that was my last. Yeah, no, that's huge. And, you know, the ability to scale back, you look at costs and people talk about uh, cloud costs and all that stuff. But yeah, you see, um, you, you see savings as well. And the opportunity to do things differently to uh, uh, actually have I've seen a, a number of organizations that their move to the cloud was just an opportunity to get away from all of their, their old school thinking and all that stuff right. and just, right. you know, and do something different without all that inertia, without, you know, they just cut the uh, cut the cord, you know, and just move on. And then how many people are, you know, in the in the CTAB world I was in and the VMUG world I was in where there were customers, uh, how many people I'd ask them, so how much are you moving to the cloud? And I got general, you know, thumb in the air, you know, testing the wind. It seemed like about 50 percent of their workloads. They were in the process of figuring out how to move into the cloud. Yes, yeah. so that, yeah, that seems about right. That tracks with, well, uh, you know, what I've seen with customers and that, that, uh, you know, everyone's looking at it for some workloads. It's not right for some workloads. It is absolutely terrific, you know, and, right. Yeah, right. and then just being able to use, use the flexibility of, of what we've got, the ability to move things back and forth, the ability to apply NSX security policies the same way in all the locations, you know, to just get it done. And, and cause all of this stuff is overhead, right? You know, like all of this messing around with placement and that it doesn't move your organization forward it just it's just it's at the same time we got the we need more vSphere content <laughs> so like we need wow. to train the next generation because 50 percent of it's still here and growing at seven to ten percent a year this yeah. isn't going away so we also have to get the next generation of people in because we're climbing up into the cloud who's replacing me i can't climb up into that job until i have somebody to do my job so yep. Well, and the on-premises side of things is still vSphere, you know, yeah. the on-premises, the local cloud or whatever you want to call, yeah. it, call it. I don't think we're calling it private cloud anymore, right. whatever, you know, like, but uh, all the on-premises stuff, well, even VMware cloud on AWS, all the VMware cloud stuff is based on vSphere. Having a fundamental knowledge of vSphere is really still important for our ecosystem. So yeah, let me know what I can do to help with that one. Yeah, yeah, that, that was good. Well, uh, you know, it's the end of the hour. I know you got a hard stop, so you got three minutes left here. So Mr. Planker's uh, uh, any barbecue it's the end of the summer 
Uh, I have been practicing my brisket uh, techniques. Uh, in fact, uh, the last time my uh, my family isn't so so much sold on the smoked meat concepts. They'd like some of it, but you know, briskets. Uh, you know, I, I, I've never had a bad, I've never made a bad brisket, but I've only done like four or five of them now, you know, and they're getting better and better as I go. But uh, the last one I did, I had a power outage. So I've got a Green Mountains, uh, a Green Mountain grill, uh, pellet grill, and right. so it needs power. You know, it's right, kind of like a little corkscrew timer. Yeah, it's got the auger and all that stuff. Yeah, and the that's, that's, and my I, wife laughed and... That. I laughed at that going like, okay, now I got one of these little electric Duracell generators, which is basically just stock full of lithium batteries and it'll run as an inverter in it. And it's good for like, you know, a whole day. Right. And I'm like, and now I need an, I need a battery backup for my, for my smoker, dude, you know, like, yeah. So I had a power outage in the middle of uh, right smack dab in the middle of my brisket uh, cook. And uh, you know, like, and uh, so I ended up, uh, turns out mine and my grill is natively 12 volts. Some of the green mountain ones are natively 12 volts anyhow. So I ended up just connecting it to my oh, yeah. jumpstart pack for my car. Right. And, uh, Je Jeffrey powers actually offered to bring over a battery, a portable generator or something right. like that. But right. that's what I bought. Finally. And... I cave, they have them at Costco now for $250. You oh, can yeah, they're great battery backup, you know, that'll yeah. has the inverter in it, but that's yeah. So you ran it. Yeah, I just ran it. I put, I've got one of those. Um, yeah. I can't think of the name. It's kind of a goofy name. It's, uh, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, uh, just a lithium ion pack or whatever. Right. And it's got yeah. a, a yeah. not that anybody uses it yeah. anymore, but cigarette lighter and yeah. thing in it. And uh, um, so, yeah, just plugged it straight into there. I got uh, three hours out of it and out of off the pack before the power came back on. And then, uh, um, and it was only down to like just over 50% that included the restart process and all that stuff. And nice. the first kit turned out fantastic. Uh, it was the best one that I've made. So calamity avoided there. Uh, unfortunately yeah. I didn't have any, all my family was out of town. So that's why, you know, it's meat fest around here. If my family goes to visit the in-laws or whatever, yeah. it's like absolute meat fest around my house. Uh, when it's just me and I could try. I, I, I did that. My family went out to Toronto for a wedding and I was here because of VMworld or because of Explore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you go to the store and exactly that you buy your meat. <laughs> and then I buy Gallops and ice a cream and, you know, like, wins and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good time. Bob Planker, thanks for joining. Uh, continue on with your day. Thanks for the barbecue report and yeah. uh, have a great rest of your, your week. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you later. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.